be found in Luke. Put an asterisk by today's story. Luke 15, verse... So he told them this story. One commentator writes, There is no chapter of the New Testament so well known and so dearly loved as the 15th chapter of the Gospel of Luke. It's been called the gospel in the gospel, as if it contained the very distilled essence of the good news which Jesus came to tell. A dearly loved chapter, with three stories known by just about everyone. So these next three weeks will be an interesting challenge, allowing God to try and give us a new vantage point, a fresh perspective on familiar texts. I'm not going to ask that you forget all the other sermons and stories you've ever heard taught on this passage. I'm simply going to ask that you allow God the freedom to show you and me something new. Luke chapter 15, verse 3. So Jesus told them this story. Them. Who is the them Jesus is talking to? This is key in the understanding of today's text and the next three weeks, these lost parables. Now, I had always pictured Jesus walking along on this warm Palestinian afternoon on the, you know, the dusty road, maybe a little bit later in the day, his disciples gathered around him, and Jesus' ear catches the faint bleeding of a, of a, of a sheep on a, on a close Judean hill. And I pictured Jesus with this kind smile, gathering his disciples around him. And, and then in this, this, this nice Hollywood-esque tone, he tells them this story. So Jesus told them this story. I had always pictured it being the disciples I was wrong. The whole tone of the story, the romanticized picture I saw in my mind, I think is wrong also. Let's listen why. Verse 1, chapter 15. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came and drew near to Jesus to listen to him teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. The them in this story, the people to whom Jesus is directly addressing this story is the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And the tone he uses, I can't help but imagine it's a little bit harsher than we'd like to admit. These Pharisees, these teachers of religious law, leaders of God's people, Israel, when they saw Jesus... They noticed all the untouchables around him. Notorious sinners. And they weren't just around him, they were drawing near. They were drawing near. The term in Greek has a two. It means they were coming with a certain posture, a willingness to learn. They were teachable to Jesus. Secondly, like the term sounds in English, they were physically drawing near. They were becoming close to him. They were more than an arm's reach. As Jesus was near them, he could smell the garlic on their breath from the night before his dinner. Okay? As Jesus said something they liked and they clapped in approval, Jesus could probably feel the breeze that the hands made. They were close to Jesus, physically. A different translation in verse 1 says, Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. And the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, they did not 
like that. After all, these were unclean people. And to touch them, to be that near to where you could touch, would make Jesus unclean. So the spiritual leaders of God's flock of people did what any good parishioner would do when they saw something they didn't like. They complained. The Greek word literally means they grumbled or they murmured. I'm not going to bore you with the fact that the word Luke uses is a rare word. And the fact that he combines it with another prefix makes it even rarer. It's obvious when looking at this word complain that Luke was meaning to point out this isn't just a, come on Jesus, really? It's more of an intense complaining amongst themselves. Some heavy grumbling, a constant buzz of negative murmuring. See, the Pharisees and religious leaders did not like the fact that the people came with a posture ready to learn. They did not like the fact that Jesus ate with them, and they really did not like the fact that they were physically close to Jesus. That's the background for this story, and actually all three of these parables we'll look at over the next three weeks. Let's see the entire story. This is Luke chapter 15, 1 through 7. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So Jesus told them this story. What man of you, if he has a hundred sheep and one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the ninety-nine others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over ninety-nine others who are righteous and have not turned away. Jesus begins his story to them, the the religious leaders, saying, imagine yourself. Picture yourself. What man among you? Suppose one of you. Asking the religious leaders in Israel to imagine themselves in this role would not have been Throughout the Hebrew Scriptures, Israel's leadership was often referred to as the shepherds of God's people. So Jesus says to them, imagine yourself. Suppose one of you is a shepherd. And here's what you're supposed to imagine. You've got a hundred sheep. One gets lost. You find him. What do you do? Verse 5. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Remember, it's the physical closeness. This person-to-person proximity that the tax collectors and notorious sinners had with Jesus that the religious leaders did not like. So the closeness made the recipients of Jesus' story bitterly complain. And now Jesus is saying, hey, I want you to picture yourself. Put yourself in a story where you pick up a lost lamb. Put it close to you. Wrap it around your shoulders. Let its wool mix with your hair. Imagine being that close. Jesus didn't say, hey, pick up a lamb in your arms. Right? Hold it out in front of you and walk home with you as close as you can. He didn't say that. That would have been absurd. 
on many different levels. How many of you have ever carried a live sheep? You know, the 135 to 175 pounds. Just show of hands. Anybody? Okay. One. That, two. Three. That makes three of us. I have as well. I used to run a 4-H club where we raised sheep. And every year come Spokane Interstate time, I would have to carry the full-grown sheep, 135 to 170 pounds, from the pen to the truck. You would have thought we could just get a ramp. We didn't figure that out. I had to pick them up and carry them. You can't carry a full-grown sheep like this. Jesus is saying you've got to get close. Not only is the lamb heavy, but the lamb doesn't like being carried. It's kicking, it's fighting, it's blowing lamb snot all over your face and arms and clothes and hands. And if you don't hold it close to your body, it's going to keep kicking. And more than likely, it will fall and it will hurt itself or it will hurt you. You've got no other choice but to hold the lamb close. Sheep are flock creatures. They don't want to hang out by themselves. They're gregarious. They like being around others like themselves. So when separated from their flock, they quickly become agitated and disoriented. You can't just whistle for a sheep and have one sheep come running towards you. More than likely, you can't just put one sheep on a leash and walk it gently back to the rest of the flock. It doesn't work that way. You've got to carry the lamb. And to carry a lamb, you must draw it near to yourself. It must become close. For a longer trip, like the one described in our passage where the shepherd had to go out and search for it, putting the sheep on his shoulders was probably the best way he could carry it back. And imagine the back pain if you had it here and you're walking that long way back. So he put it on his shoulders, okay? Two legs on each side him the chance to hold those legs down. It gave him a good center of gravity. But you notice, that's a very, very intimate position. That's a close position. Remember what Jesus was doing. Before the complaining and, excuse me, before those complaining and murmuring, he's telling this story. You've got to get close to them. Verse 5, and when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Found an interesting connection with the word that Luke used for shoulders. The word is omos, literally means shoulder. Now another person suggested that Luke was using an alternate word for another Greek word, pharo. This word means shoulder on which burdens are born. A shoulder which carries a load. Carry a lamb for any sort of distance, quite a burden to bear, wouldn't it? Now, what really blows my mind in this passage is the shepherd's attitude. He is physically close, it's strenuous, it's, it's hard, and listen to his attitude. And when he found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. Joyfully. Wow. I've got a dog that is, in a lot of ways, like a lamb. He's dumb. <laughs> Sheep are dumb. This dog, when we first got him, I, I kid you not, would lower his head and barrel his way through my wood fence. And he didn't just do it once. He did it many times. We had to put an additional one-by-six brace along the lower part of our fence so that he would hit that, and it would at least slow him down. Now, when he broke free, I would go after him to catch him. And I would not bring him back joyfully. 
I was thinking of the cost of the fence. I was thinking of the grief that it gave my wife and kids to, to wonder whether or not Charlie will ever make it back. I had that dog by the collar, and I'm dragging him back. I'm, I'm murmuring, I'm grumbling, I'm scolding, and I'm giving that dog an earful. You get the picture? This is not the picture of the shepherd bringing back the lamb. The shepherd bringing back the lamb is doing so joyfully. So Jesus is telling this story in what I see as a very pointed tone to a bunch of whiners and complainers, and he's essentially saying, would you do this? Would you seek out your lost lamb, throw it over your shoulders, carry it home joyfully? Would you? I think in Jesus' mind, and I'm speculating because I can't crawl right in there, I think in his mind he would have already known the answer to this. Would you religious leaders do this? Oh, wait, of course you wouldn't. That's why you're complaining to me about it. Why would you now, when you've got a history of not being close? Pharisees were the most devout and law-following group of people there were. They knew what they could eat. They knew what they could lift. They knew what they could and couldn't touch. And they knew the Levitical laws inside and out, and they followed them to a T. Their emphasis was on personal holiness. They were not about to become unclean by being physically close to somebody who was not clean. But Jesus got close. And he had a history of getting close. Jesus touched the dead boy of the widow from Nain, and he became unclean. Jesus touched the leper, and he became unclean. Jesus touched the demon-possessed, and he became unclean. Jesus let the woman wash his feet with her tears and dry it with her hair, and he became unclean unclean. Jesus did these things. He got close. And he's telling a story, ultimately asking the Pharisees and the religious leaders, would you get that close? And would you do so joyfully? And again, I think he would say to himself, yeah, I don't think you will, because not only do you not like to get close now, your ancestors have a history of, of not getting close, and they have a history of doing it with a little bit of a rougher attitude. God was speaking through the prophet Ezekiel to the religious leaders of Israel whom he had called shepherds when he said this in Ezekiel 34. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. Instead, you have ruled God's people with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep, he says, have been scattered without a shepherd and they are easy prey for any wild animal. Jesus seems to be asking, would you... Do this same thing. I've got to wonder if he were sitting amongst us today. If he were the same thing, would we? Would we allow the untouchables to get that close to us? And, and I, yeah, I mean that physically close. Would we carry them, literally or figuratively, lost as they are, back to Jesus? Would we lovingly, joyfully carry them back? No matter how much pain, no matter how much persistence or perseverance or kickback or retaliation or abuse we may get from them, would we carry them back? Let me tell you what, it's a whole lot easier to say to them, you know what, you're, you're just not worth the pain it would take in my life to carry you back. 
You've wandered off. You failed to look. You're running. You're bleaching. You're kicking. You're fighting. And if you don't want to come back with me, so be it. Be gone with you. Most of the early times that my dog broke free, I didn't care if we found him. Do we take that same attitude with God's lost sheep? Or are we willing to draw near to them and have them draw near to us? Are we willing to be that close? What if they haven't showered? What if they smell like smoke? What if they haven't had time to do their laundry in the last two or three weeks? What if they're sick and there's a chance we may get it? Are we willing to draw near? What if they are crying, broken, scared, kicking, running, because they don't know how else to act? That's instinct. There will be a lot of pain. A lot of perseverance will be required to bring a lost sinner back to Jesus Christ. It will be messy, and it would be a whole lot easier just to give up. But I think God is asking us this morning, would we carry them back? Would we be that close to them? After all, God has promised to do that for us. Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will feed his flock like a He will carry the lambs in his arms, holding them close to his heart. God carries us. Deuteronomy 33, 27. The eternal God is your refuge, and his everlasting arms are under you. God carries us. Psalm 8, 19. Praise the Lord. Praise God, our Savior. For each day he carries us. In his arms. At some point in our walk with Christ, it may not be today, it may not be this week, it may not even be for years to come, but at some point in our walk with Christ, if we are serious about following him, he is going to say to us, There's a lost one. Are you willing to get that close? Are you willing to go and get them? And I pray that when God does that, when he says that, I pray God's grace as we encounter those situations. And I pray that we, like the shepherd in the story, will joyfully carry that person home. Luke 15, 3. So Jesus told them this story. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a, what a picture. And we could have gone a hundred different directions with this sermon. But Lord, I thank you that this morning you have led us to see the closeness which is going to be required of us to bring back a lost sheep. To bring back somebody who doesn't know you. God, this scares me. I like my space. I like my bubble. And yet even in this last week, you have pushed me to pull somebody in. So God, I thank you for Paul and the ride I got to have with him in my car, I thank you for the chance to, to stand outside his house and talk to him. I pray, Father, for more opportunities like that for all of us. God, may we be able to get past ourselves and like the shepherd in the story, be willing to pick somebody up, 
carry him on our shoulders close as we possibly can and back to you. And thank you, Father, that you have done that for us. May we follow your example. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.